This is episode 108 of Two Views Movies on Good Boys, sponsored by the Blue Springs 8. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I am Carson. And we are doing something that we don't normally do today, which is actually talk about a comedy. We were just chatting about this, and for some reason or another, we just don't have a lot of comedy episodes on our podcast. Because comedies can usually wait, you know, until they come out on video. That's true. I agree with that. Although, we will dabble a little bit in your theory of it's always better to see a comedy, apparently, in a room full of people in a theater. So, wouldn't that actually make it more of a reason to go see it in theaters? Well, I go see them in theaters, but you tend to wait on them. (laughs) I'm just saying, you just said you can wait on comedies, but then you are a big proponent of needing to see comedies in a theater with a bunch of other people to enhance the laughability. I do think it's funnier. To sit there, and when other people laugh, it makes you laugh at maybe parts that you wouldn't laugh on your own. Uh, I think laughing is contagious, and uh, so yeah, I think you should see them uh, in theaters. But also, the quality of comedies tend to be a step down where you don't need to see the big screen. Uh, but definitely, sure. if you're watching at home, you should have a group of people with you. I feel like I got a slight reversal from you there, and we're like two minutes into the podcast. I, that, that feels like a world record. I think like I'm picturing the blood sport cards flipping up that I just got a new world record. I'm saying if you have friends, I mean, watch it with friends. <laughs> Don't watch it by if yourself. You're not a loser. <laughs> wow. watch, watch a comedy with people. You don't have to go pay money on a big screen. You could watch it at home, but right. with people. I mean, that's, that's, that's where I'm going with it. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, off the top of my head, um, I know we did an episode on blockers, which did set a world record for our shortest episode ever, uh, a whopping like, what, like 15 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think that was more of like a, uh, what do you do with a comedy that wasn't really all that funny? I don't think either you or I found it funny. And then what do you really say other than write better jokes? Use, use John Cena better. And then we wrapped it up. Yeah. That was a big takeaway. Of course, we'll get to see him in Fast and Furious 9 and see how his acting chops have progressed since blockers. He's in nine, huh? Yep, I think that's confirmed. Oh, and, and The Rock's not, right? Right. Because he's off Correct. in Hobbs and Shaw. I'm world. an expert on all things Fast and Furious now because I finished I know, you, you did your, your marathon, and so now you, you yeah. are probably more up to it than I am now. Oh, that's sad because I, my hatred for Vin Diesel is at an all-time high. <laughs> well, he, at least he's wearing sleeves now. Oh, he's, he's progressed to sleeves. <laughs> it's unintentional comedy at its best every time he's on the screen. <laughs> We could do a whole comedy episode on Fast and Furious. Well, specifically Vin Diesel uh, in those movies. Not everybody's as bad. I'm surprised he let John Cena in because he's. Well, he needs somebody else to beat up. Well, but he's trying to be, you know, this massive guy. And then you bring in John Cena, who's twice the size of Vin Diesel. That's not going to bold well. No, no, it won't. Vin is going to feel very inferior. I spent most of my watch watching his shoes to see if I could figure out when he had lifts in and everything. Cause I guarantee you he's got lifts in his boots. He always wears boots. Like even there was a scene in one of them where he was dressed up in like a tuxedo or something. And he had, he had boots on. 
Well, I think he just in everyday life always wears those boots. <laughs> I think he does too because he wants to seem bigger than what he is. Right. And then he stands on his little soapbox to go toe to toe with the rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like six foot and the rock six five. And somehow they're eye to eye in a couple of scenes. And I was just, yeah, that's laughing. why I think in the, with a fast five when they, when they fight that they're like always falling or jumping yeah. at each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we got we got off so on the, from, the Fast and Furious uh, in a, in a Good Boys episode. Uh, well, we went from Good Boys to Blockers, from Blockers uh, to John Cena, okay. from John Cena to Fast and Furious. So it, it, so, it so all... somehow we got to our action movie that we look for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from the unintentional comedy of all things Vin Diesel and Fast and Furious to the actual comedy of Good Boys that we are here to talk about today. Yeah, and so this episode, sponsored by Blue Springs 8 in Blue Springs, the Miller Theater. So we thank you for uh, for yet another sponsorship for our podcast. If uh, you're looking to go see Good Boys, head out to the Blue Springs 8. I guess you've already seen Good Boys. So if you're listening to this, you should have seen Good Boys. This is a spoiler-filled podcast. <laughs> yeah, although I think that the trailer does a good job of giving a decent amount oh, of Oh, you're away, taking so you... my, my talking points already. Well, I mean, that's a Carson staple talking point. That's not <laughs> anything. I'm not even sure that's a talking point. That's just a, we're going to reuse that every episode. Trailer guy is going to either get some love or he's going to get punched on. I knew it was yes, coming in yeah, this one. Yeah, it's clear in this one. <laughs> All right, so let's get into good boys then. From the letterbox blurb, a group of young boys on the cusp of becoming teenagers embark on an epic quest in the San Fernando Valley to fix their broken toy before their parents get home. Directed by Gene Stepninski, who was also a co-writer. And then we obviously saw Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill were producers. They you know like to throw that up on the screen any chance they get that uh, this is a Seth Rogen movie. The cast, Jacob Trimley, Brady Noon, Keith L. Williams, Molly Gordon, Midori Francis, and Will Forte. There's obviously others, but that's the main gist. And the first thing I wanted to ask you about Good Boys is pretty generic, but it's a comedy. Did you think it was at least funny? Ah, so I think it had funny parts. I believe that, uh, I mean, we just brought it up. I think a lot of the all the funny parts, almost all the funny parts are in the trailer. And so we, we'd seen those before. But this is one of those movies that relies on basically using young kids as, you know, a, a mechanism to use profanity. You know, and that's funny because they're not supposed to. But I think that wears off. And then the, sexu- the sexual situations that these young kids in, I think, you know, the shock value up front is... uh is there and that's funny and then i think that that tends to go away of okay you're just accepting that these kids talk like that and those lines aren't as funny later on Hmm. i don't know see i I disagree i actually thought it was pretty funny throughout the whole movie and sure the idea is that there's kids saying and doing things and being put in situations where they're not supposed to but i mean that's kind of the premise and that's the whole point behind the movie being funny you know them saying or doing things if they were 18 is not as funny because you assume that an 18 year old has concepts of what these things are. So it is funny when the kids don't understand some of the sexual things that they're talking about. Um, It didn't really get old for me. I thought they did a pretty good job of putting the kids in different situations, whether it was, you know, sexual comedy or drug comedy or just not understanding social situations and just the awkwardness of being at a kissing party because everybody can relate to that being in sixth grade. I mean, I felt like it was a very relatable movie and I I didn't really get tired of the jokes. I mean, I think some of the 
jokes didn't hit, but it wasn't because I got tired of it being kids being the one that delivered them, I guess. I'm not saying you got tired of them. I'm just saying you get desensitized to that. If it was at the beginning of the movie where you're not used to them dropping F-bombs here and there, that you're just now used to them doing that. So those are... That the shock value of, of the funniness isn't there towards the end of the well, movie. Well, sure, but I mean, I guess you, I, I would kind of wonder how much shock value is it when you've if you've seen the Red Band trailer. You I mean you know what's coming, you know that that's what the whole movie is geared towards. So, aren't you already a little bit desensitized to it, knowing that okay, clearly this is going to be a movie where it's you know ten year olds and eleven year olds or however old they are, whatever sixth grade is, eleven, twelve, you know if they're going to be cussing in on a sex swing and stuff like that, I mean, that, that's the whole gist of the movie. So I would think that if you had that problem towards the end of the movie, I would think you would almost have already been on the downslide of that heading into the movie, just knowing that that's what you're expecting. Well, sure. Nobody should be caught off guard of what they're getting. You know, if you, if you watch the trailer, but I mean, you sit there for an hour and a half and you know, it's different than if you watch the trailer, you know, two weeks ago and then decide to, you know, you expect to get that, but again, you're just like, okay, these kids are, are cussing, and so the cussing becomes, you know, uh, takes a backseat of that's not funny to see a 12-year-old cuss anymore where it was at the beginning, but then you had to put them in different situations to get the laughs a different way, where, again, if the jokes, those same jokes are at the beginning of the movie, I think they would have hit a little bit better. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, you get yeah, what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I just don't necessarily agree. I think that... I think this movie delivered on what I thought it was going to be, and I think it delivered on how I thought it was going to do it. I just, my only issue was that just, you know, with a, with most comedies, some jokes land and some jokes don't. And I kind of thought that, you know, if it had been a little bit more consistently funny, then it would have bubbled up another half star for me or so. But I, I thought it was, it was what I expected, and it was... Uh, probably even a little bit better than what I expected it to be. I, I thought it would maybe either run a little shallow or thin, or I thought it maybe had the possibility of being like a one trick pony and, you know, not really continuing to be funny. It'd be funny. Like you said, for the first 20 or 30 minutes, but for me, it kept being really funny. Like, I, I don't think it ever got me like laughing hysterically, but I mean, I was laughing pretty solidly throughout the whole movie, which is kind of what I was hoping. Yeah. And I don't know that I, I laughed a lot. I mean, I thought things were funny, but again, most of it was in the trailer. I mean, there, there was a, they had a very long trailer that hit almost all of their, uh, their moments in the movie, including their little extra scene, Yeah, you know, at the end. I mean, that would have been funny for that to be the first time you saw it. Yeah. But it, uh, I don't remember laughing out loud outside of, uh, two scenes. One was the very beginning when they're talk. They're riding on the bike, mm -hmm. talking about uh, Coom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that that was funny. One was out of the gate. Two was in the trailer, and so that was that was new and fresh. And I, I was like, okay, you know, I, I laughed. And then uh, the cop in the convenience store, just his whole character and everything with him. Even though most of it was in the in the trailer, uh, a lot of his reactions are what made me laugh. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think I laughed all the way consistently. I even got a few, you know, pretty good hard laughs in there. I, I think that there was definitely a good amount that wasn't in the trailer, but I think this movie would have benefited from almost having a, you know, minute and a half, two minute red band trailer that 
was just an extra scene or something from the movie that didn't actually make its way into the movie. Like, cause I think you have to sell the movie in a way that clearly shows that you are going to have sixth graders in situations doing and saying things that normal sixth graders should not right? to get people to buy into it, even go red band, uh, let them cuss all that kind of stuff to, to get the audience. Hooked. Cause honestly, like if this wasn't, if this was PG 13, I'm not even sure I would have been interested in seeing it. So that was the whole draw for me. Oh, no. But for sure. And you mentioned Seth Rogen and, you know, putting their name on everything. So you know what kind of movie that you're getting. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's important for them to do that. And I think that's why most people went to see this is because it's the makers of super bad, you know. But I think I think if you had done a two minute trailer, that's that's that captures the essence of the movie, but that is not in the movie. I think that would sell the people on the idea of the movie and, and even the types of jokes that you're going to be doing and not give away stuff in the movie. I think you could do that with this because it's red band and everything. No, I agree. And even the, uh, how many husbands does she have joke that's in the trailer? That's not in the movie. Yeah. So more of that is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like you could have done a whole, the whole scene could have just been the, them watching the porn and maybe you just either, you know, cut out the bulk of that for you. It's a shorter scene in the movie. So it's almost like an extended deleted scene or something like that. So, yeah, you understand that that piece might be in the movie, but a lot of those jokes don't show up. But it's enough to sell you on the idea. So I, I definitely think that I know why they did the trailers the way they did it. Um, and I don't think it was as egregious as some things we've seen in the past where you feel like every single like the only funny jokes were the ones in the trailer. I didn't feel like that was the case with this. It's just it would have been funnier had I not seen some of it already. Yeah, and I, I do think you could just lean on on Seth Rogen, and you have a few of those jokes. I don't even think it, I think it just needs to be a 30-second trailer. I don't think you need a full two minutes, but you just lean on the credibility that they've already built Yeah, and uh, and drop in, okay, these are our sixth graders doing this, <laughs> <laughs> and so and just, just lean on that whole premise. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you could get away with that. What do you think about the acting of the boys? I thought they all did well. Yeah, me too. I, I know that we usually sometimes are very critical of kid actors and I mean, obviously they're kids and whatever, but at the same time, sometimes they can be really distracting in movies and not very good. But I actually was pleasantly surprised at how well like their comedic timing was and how they work together. And I never really felt cringy watching kid actors, which happens sometimes. I think the only one uh, that I had any sort of, this is a very kid actor is uh Thor at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like he, kind of laid his lines on really thick. Um, but I think as the movie went on, he did a whole lot better. Yeah. I think for me, it was good that they established early that he was into like acting and singing because he, he did come across as that way, but then I kind of chalked it up to, okay, well this kid inside the movie is very much an outgoing kind of bombastic kid. Who's going to just say things over the top and stuff like that, which helped me, I think with that character a little bit. Uh, he had one of my favorite lines, in the movie, which was when they're talking about a uh, sippy cup and how it's a sick burn. And he's like, that's not a sick burn. He's like, your dad got busted for DUI and has to take the bus to work every day. That's a sick burn. That's a sick burn. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I liked it. I had a good time with it. I, I don't know what else to really say about it other than I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was written well. I thought it was acted well. I liked the interactions that they kept having with the older girls and, you know, getting the drone back and not getting the drone back and their whole, um, you know, drug swap. They want to get drugs off the streets because they're still that, even though they cuss and they kind of know about sex stuff, they're, 
very much like anti-drugs because that's what you're taught in elementary school and they want to clean up the streets and all that. I thought, I thought they captured that really well. No, I agree. Uh, I like their whole outlook on just about everything. <laughs> yeah, because it's perfect. I mean, they, they nailed what it's like to be a sixth grader who is somewhat kind of vaguely aware of all of these things that you maybe shouldn't be aware of, but then you also have this really innocent outlook on a lot of it, whether it's sex or drugs or any of that stuff. Like it's just, it's so perfect how they captured that. I think the things that that stood out to me the most were them using words incorrectly that they've heard that sound like (laughs) other words. And I I don't have a great example of it, but it's uh, like, that's not the right word there, but but it's, it's it's funny because you know, that's what, you know, 12 year olds, they try to put those in there and then mix them up. Right. That, the, I enjoyed those. The one that jumps out to me is the the anal beads being anal beads. <laughs> right. And the running gag yeah, that, of them smelling was pretty good, too. But that's them not being able to, to read good. <laughs> uh, well, sure. I think it's probably a lack of exposure to that word that caused that. Yeah. But there's there's some that they replace. You know what they're trying to say, but they say the wrong word. Yeah. And again, I wish I had a, an example, but those, those stood out to me because I think Thor did that a lot. I think he he said the wrong word yeah in, in place of what he was supposed to that feels right a lot the the scene where uh steven merchant shows up to buy the the trading card that they have i thought that was a one of my favorite scenes it wasn't my top favorite but they show up you know one of them's got like the pulp fiction gimp mask on and the other's using the anal beads as nunchucks and then they tell him straight to his face that he's a, he looks like a pedophile like that whole scene was pretty funny no, that, that was good i thought he was gonna continue to be reoccurring after the uh, the highway scene <laughs> that was a good touch uh who was it was it lucas that just pukes immediately when he thinks that it's a person that flew out of the windshield uh i thought it was thor was it thor okay i couldn't remember which yeah one because was. he's the one who caused the wreck and then he's like oh i didn't kill somebody <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely has the uh seth rogan touch to it right like there's elements of this that you can pick out of either super bad or this is the end um, even probably a little bit of neighbors. It's 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 that kind of humor just scaled down to to sixth grade boys. So the underlying plot of this movie is basically they're trying to get their toy back. Yes, you know, not the toy, but I guess the dad's drone. Yeah, it's um, Sandlot, and it's yeah, and so it's a it's a very kid movie with themes of you know the friendships of these aren't going to be my friends later on in life. Mm-hmm. type of thing we're, we're growing apart and, and it has those, those and, I, and i call it disney channel but it has those that kid theme throughout that just added sex and profanity into it so I, I get what you're saying but i don't really consider it disney channel for me um because it's kind of a recurring theme in all these uh coming of age type movies or, or, or friend buddy comedies like the ones i just mentioned right this is the end um you know Seth Rogen and James Franco, Jay Baruchel, they all have like a big falling out, even though they're all friends. Uh, super bad. You know, Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill get into it. Um, what else? There, uh, I watched Booksmart earlier this year. You know, those two friends have a falling out. There's always in these movies that formulaic moment where the best friends have something that comes along that starts to drive them apart. And then they either come back together or in this case, which I really appreciated in this movie's case is, they didn't really come back together. They acknowledged that they were all kind of growing separately, but that they were still going to continue to be friends, uh, just not the same kind of friends. So I thought that was good, but it didn't strike me as Disney Channel. It, it does strike me as formulaic because I think that's just how these comedies tend to go. Well, sure. Yeah, and not even just comedies, but just movies in general. They follow that 
that same type of theme of breaking mm-hmm. up and then coming back together type of thing. But yeah, no, I did like the way they, they ended it with, uh, we're not going to come back and pretend we're, we're friends forever. We're going to drift off into our own groups. Um, but it's funny though, cause, cause our group of friends, the majority of us, majority of us have been friends since kindergarten. And then we met the rest of everybody in junior high. And then we've been friends for the rest of our lives. Now we're yep. 30 seven how old are we now (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right 37 don't add any more and so and so uh i think that's uh it's funny looking through you know the two sets of lenses is well gosh you know they could still be friends because i'm still friends with friends i was friends with in kindergarten and uh sure but i know that that's not normal i know we have a, a unique set of friends that are still friends with junior high people which i guess that's what these they're now getting into junior high and making new friends. And I guess that's you, right. you know, we brought you into our group. <laughs> <laughs> right. One of many. Yeah. But, uh, but that's, uh, uh, it was just kind of watching it with those, those different eyes of how is this friendship going to work out? Yeah. And, you know, as somebody who is the parent of a now eighth grader, but having recently gone through obviously sixth and seventh grade, um, there was a lot for me to laugh at in that regard too, because I've, I've had to have some, you know, conversations and I I hear things and see things that, you know, my son has, you know, either seen on social media or he's heard from friends or just, you know, being the parent of some kid who's going through that, um, that, that hit a little bit close to home too, uh, from a humor standpoint that it's like, Oh God, yeah, that's, that's so cringy or, Yep, that's that's what it's like. So it, it's not like I'm so far detached from sixth grade because I mean we can all put ourselves in the shoes of what we were like in sixth grade and the horrific, you know, embarrassing things that we said or did or experienced when we were in sixth grade. But then it's another thing, at least for me, to have to layer on the fact that you know I just had a kid go through sixth and seventh grade in that same awkward time period, and in some ways is still awkward even though it's eighth grade. Uh, I think that that resonated a little bit more for me and made things a lot funnier. Would you let him watch this? I debated. So my my litmus test for what I'll let him watch with comedies is Step Brothers because he's seen that. And so there's not much more that's left to the imagination after Step Brothers in terms of raunchy comedy and cuss words and all that stuff. So I I, I don't know. I'm still uncertain, but I think I might when it comes out on, on digital. Yeah, I think this is more, definitely more sexual than Step Brothers. Stepbrothers mm-hmm. mentions it, but this seems to be like a theme for the movie. And so yeah. that, that would be the uh, the hesitation. Yes, but I will say there's the scene in Stepbrothers, several scenes w- between Dale and uh, Derek's wife. You know, I mean, they go at it in the bathroom and <laughs> she talks about what she wants to do with him in terms of uh, curling him up and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it, the sexual stuff is there. I, I agree with you. It's definitely more of a recurring theme in this. But, I mean, that's what I kind of mean. The, once the band-aid was ripped off in Step Brothers, I don't know if this is even any worse, even though it, it kind of recurs. So, I don't know. I mean, he'll be 14 in December. Uh, yeah. See, uh, I f- probably. I feel like this is, like Step Brothers pretty straightforward, where this would have a lot more of explaining things, of what did that mean? You know, and, you know, and so then <laughs> sure. it just creates a different type of dialogue, you know, than uh, Step Brothers is, okay, it's them, it's them having sex, you know, and so right. that, that's different than walking through what they're all talking about and why is that funny, you know, and, and things that are going yeah. over their head. Well, and I, I am interested to see what he would think about it from a movie standpoint, because, you know, we can look back on it as being in sixth grade and realize our 
naivete or whatever you want to call it. Will he have that appreciation at 14 for what, how he was at 12 or will he, is he not there yet? Like, do you need to be 16, 17, 18 and have a little bit more of this under your belt so you can appreciate the humor in it? Or will you still appreciate the humor? In it? I, I don't know. It's a tough call. Yeah. Cause like you mentioned, uh, the Sandlot, we were that age when the Sandlot came out, you know, but I also think it appealed to older people who grew up in that time. You know, so I think right. we had different takes on that movie. We were identifying with the kids, and they were identifying more mm-hmm. with the time. And I think this, it was set in modern times, so you were trying to identify with how you were as a kid, or but not but set in modern times. But so I was trying to think of if you were a kid today, how would you would you get any of this if you were their same age? Right. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm about to run a social experiment on my son here when this comes out on digital, and we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Nope, that yeah, messed you up. I know, okay, I wouldn't okay. Mind. So good, good to know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> see, I don't have a problem. Like if I was watching this with him, I I wouldn't feel embarrassed or anything like that. But my wife would not want to be anywhere near while he's watching this. She would be like, oh, she'd be mortified. Well, I think it's more of of him being awkward with you sitting next to him. Oh, sure, but that makes it more funny for me because <laughs> I can laugh at that. All right. I think I'm running out of things to say on this one. Agreed. All right, let's get to it. I am Thor, son of Odin, and as long as there is life in my breast, I am running out of things to say. Are you ready? What'd you rate it? I ended up giving it a three. Um, I thought it was, okay. uh, it was an above average comedy. Um, I don't know if they'll have the staying power of something like Superbad or... or even this is the end. Um, I think it was uh, it, it was good. It was above average, so three. Yeah. Okay. I'm at a three and a half. I I'm not sure if I'm quite ready to put it in super bad or this is the end territory. Um, I think I gave Booksmart three and a half. Um, so if we're comparing kind of all of those, I know this skews younger than that, but it, it's right around there. I could see it having some legs. Um, once it comes out on digital or even gets on cable, well, not cable, but like HBO and stuff where you can actually say half the things they said in this movie, but I could see it having some legs. It's a, it's a really quick watch. It was, I think maybe an hour 20, hour 25 runtime once you take out the credits. So it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It, it's got something that, you know, you can drop into it 30 minutes into it, watch 30 minutes of it and, and leave and still feel like, Oh yeah, that was funny. That's a good part. So I think it'll have some legs, maybe just not as strong, like you said, as super bad and others, but that could also just be the relevance at the time. Super bad was what going on 12 years ago. So we'll see, but I liked it three and a half for me. I do think this, you're going to find more things that they say in it that are going to be funny. Like I, think, I think there were a lot of things that, that I didn't miss. You know, people were laughing, you know, and just the little lines that they glossed over that they, again, when some of the things that they said incorrectly, you know, I think I caught most of them, but I'm sure there's, there's some hidden gems in there. And I do think the deleted scenes and this one will, will surpass many, uh, many, I think yeah, so too. straight to Blu-ray stuff. So, <laughs> right. All right. So what was your favorite moment? Uh, I th- I really enjoyed the cop at the convenience store. Uh, I thought he would come into play more or later, uh, later on. But uh, I just liked his interaction. He was coming off a, a triple shift. You know, he, he didn't want to mess with it. He kept rolling his <laughs> eyes. Just his interaction with everything. Um, uh, I just I just really enjoyed the setup and everything in that scene. Yeah, that was a good scene. What about you? 
Uh, I went with the frat scene, not so much for the paintball. I, I thought that was funny, but I like just the whole setup of the girls are trying to get him or the boys to go in and get the drugs and almost everything related to them and drugs I thought was funny. But then, you know, they quickly give up who they are. I liked that uh, Lucas kept squealing for some reason. Why? I, there's some noise that keeps <laughs> happening. He does that high-pitched scream every time. I, I see. That's funny because the, the second time he did it there, it was clearly him. I thought it was Thor the first time. But but it, but oh, it was, okay. <laughs> he was, when they were sitting on the couch, he, he screamed. And yeah. I was like, oh, that was Lucas. Okay. Yeah. And then there's so much subtle stuff going on, like the guy who randomly comes in and is talking about how the girl dropped the charges against him. There's just a lot going on in that scene on top of the paintball, on top of the kids trying to buy the drugs. I just thought that was a really funny, strung together scene. And well, I think the rest of the movie is really it is funny. Um it's kind of the same kind of funny throughout, not a lot of highs and lows, but this was the one thing that like, if I think about this movie besides maybe like the dislocated arm or something for some reason, but I think that's cause that was in the trailer. I think the frat scene would be the first thing that came to my mind is like, okay, I clearly remember that one. So what was one thing you'd change? Uh, we talked about it a little bit ago. If they could have found a way to stay away from the growing apart angle, which every comedy does. So I, or not every comedy, but every kind of thing like this, like we mentioned, I would have liked for them to have not been so formulaic with that and just kind of don't even do the whole growing apart thing. Just still just lean in harder to all the characters that they have now. And I don't know. I don't think it would have made the movie necessarily a ton better. It's just, it's always a breath of fresh air when, you know, we could have come back to this podcast and said, Hey, you know, the one thing that these movies always do and this one didn't do. Um, I would have liked to have been able to say that about this movie, especially because it was taking, you know, sixth graders and not the typical, you know, 17, 18, we're going to graduate and grow apart kind of thing. I thought they had a good window to be able to sh- to stay away from that formula, and they didn't, so I wish they had. Yeah, no, I I got it, but I do think it's a good, the way they did it was a good theme and a good thing for kids to see, but not see at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. It, the way they did it, I like it, but if you could have stayed away from it, probably even better. Yeah, yeah and mine wasn't about the movie itself the thing i would change and we you beat it over the head i think earlier was the trailer was if you could somehow do the trailer differently where you're not revealing your hand because you know i laughed first time i saw the trailer a lot you know things that they were doing and Mm -hmm. it just really would help the movie if i hadn't seen those already so um and i'm not necessarily at deleted scenes but just shorten it up that we didn't need to see a two-minute trailer because the deleted scenes you know even when he said uh you know, how many husbands does she have? And when that wasn't in the movie and I was like, Oh, you know, I think that was funnier than the line yeah. that, that was actually in there. Um, and, and so <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, I was kind of waiting for that, you know, and then that, that didn't happen. So you kind of have a double edged sword when you put in scenes that aren't in the movie. Um, but the, uh, yep. I would just shorten it, tighten it, rely on Seth Rogen-ness and, a, and kids cussing for a, a brief period of time to get you in the, in the theater. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, casting change. What do you got? This is hard. Um, because it was. it's all kids and the adults mm-hmm. don't seem to matter. I wouldn't I mean who has a speaking role other than, you know, the cop, which I loved. Will Forte, well, which I like Will Forte. So I wasn't going to take him out. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I could think of was try to get maybe Jonah Hill or Michael, Michael Sarah in there somehow, you know, kind of tie it to super bad, like the same world. I didn't know how I was going to do it or <laughs> yeah. maybe even make, uh, one of them, one of their teachers or something like that. Yeah. Um, I was trying to, but the, again, none of the teachers really had speaking lines that uh, had any significance whatsoever. So that's where I was 
I was trying to go, but it didn't really land anywhere. But I wanted them in there somewhere. Oddly enough, we are the exact same on this. I had no single role that I wanted to swap out. My my note to myself was, I wish we had had some cameos from the guys from This Is The End and Superbad. So, uh, I mean, the one that jumped out to me was, obviously, you could take Craig Robinson and put him in the role as the police officer. You know, you could throw Jonah in or Seth. I mean, you could make them be either, you know, one of the other kids' dads or just have them... I mean, you could really just put them in anywhere. I just thought it would have been kind of a little wink and a nod, not necessarily to tie it to their universe, but just, you know, the, this movie feels like that kind of movie clearly because they produced it and had their hands in it a little bit. So it would just would have been a good wink and a nod to just have those guys sprinkled in there every once well, in a while. I think it would have been hilarious to have one of them as, especially the super bad kids, one of them, as, even Mick Lovin yeah. as a teacher. But like, like, you know, they're <laughs> they were so trying to get out of that world and then they're stuck back in it. You know, and so yeah. I think that would have been kind of a fun tie-in back that they're back in a school. Yeah, didn't because uh, Seth Rogen played the cop. Him and Bill Hader played the cops. Yeah, okay. I would have liked to have seen that. I think it would have just been funny. Agreed. All right, what award did you give this movie? I gave it the most inappropriate kids movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that it's a kids movie. I feel like it is a kids movie if you take out the inappropriateness. I think the. Uh, <laughs> And I mean, is that, that everything? No, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think this is. Well, I mean, this was designed for kids. It feels like it was made for kids, except. But then we're gonna add this stuff into it. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it was designed from that angle at all. I think it was designed with the idea of it's going to be funny because we're going to have kids say and do stuff that they probably do when their parents aren't around and stuff that we normally don't have them do in movies. But I think that's the angle that it came from. Not let's do a kid's movie where we throw in a bunch of inappropriate stuff. Oh, well, I don't don't think that was the Genesis. Well, I mean the Genesis was let's make these kids cuss and stuff. I mean, I think that you're right. That's how it came to be. But I think the, the plot of them running across, trying to get to the mall and get a, you know, just their quest as kids and the kissing party and everything just just seems like it. Everything was made like this plot was made like a kids movie, and then they just added the vulgarity to it to make well, it for sure. Adults. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I just I don't think in any way this is a kids movie, and I don't think that's what they were trying to do. And I think they just took the beats that come from the super bad type movies and swap them out with things that a sixth grader would do because a sixth grader is not going to go to a graduation party with kegs and everything like that. That's they're going to go to a kissing party. You know, uh, they're not going to go on a, you know, drug fueled DUI drive all across town, uh, because they don't have a driver's license. So what's an equivalent to that, you know, getting across a busy highway, you know, I think that's the more the route that it went. And, so the, the kids movie label, I, I'm questioning because I, I feel like once you strip all inappropriateness out of almost any movie, it becomes, you know, quote unquote, a kids movie. I don't think so. I think just the way it was acted <laughs> and the way it was written and the plot of whether, I mean, they're trying to get a drone back from, from girl. Sure. I mean, it's, it's a kids movie. You strip away, you know, any inappropriateness from Fast and the Furious. It's not a kids movie. Oh, I'm. I'm. It might be. <laughs> Actually, probably, it might be. I think it is. Ben is very. I, I think it is a kids movie in general. It's Hot Wheels on steroids, <laughs> right? But so, what'd you give it? What was your award? 
I gave it the best kids performance of the year. And I, I think it's going to hold up through the end of the year. You know, I, I haven't been overly impressed with the kids I've seen on screen so far, whether that's come from uh, like Shazam or even Millie Bobby Brown and Godzilla, the child's play that we saw. Just I, I didn't feel like any of the kids' roles this year had really been very good or broken out of like the kid actor shell, and I felt like these kids crushed it. You thought it was better than the kids in Shazam, huh? Yeah, I did. Interesting. I know they were a little bit older, but I thought uh, I thought they did did really well. I'm not saying that they they were bad in Shazam. Why did you I'm hate them in Shazam? I, <laughs> I think I like Shazam more than you because you give it a, a thrashing for being a kids movie. You, you did like Shazam more than me, but I thought the kids did did well in it. Because I was trying to think of yeah, you know, because I feel like we've had this conversation before of trying to replace kid kid actors, and uh, yeah, and that that's difficult. And I was trying to think what which movies those were in. And I think you just nailed them both was a uh, child's play and then also Shazam. But I think it definitely yeah. was better than, than child's play. Um, but I think uh, Shazam w- could go toe to toe with it. Oh yeah. I, and probably some of it's just the nature of it. You know, Shazam is a superhero movie and kind of a little bit more serious in tone when it deals with his belonging to his family and trying to find his parents. Whereas, you know, this is kids <laughs> screaming cuss words and talking about sex and drugs. So, I mean, which, I don't know, maybe you could argue that's harder for kids to pull off that kind of stuff. I don't know. I liked him, though, so far, and I think it's going to hold up. That That's my best kids' performance of the year. So if you like this, what would you like? I'm not going to venture too far off the beaten path on this one. Can... It, book smart, super bad. See, I haven't seen book smart, but I landed with uh, super bad in the sandlot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Everybody's got to like the sandlot. sandlot. Well, sure, but if the intent is to say that if you like this movie, I think you'd you like would the like Sandlot. Sandlot. I mean, yeah. well, what what parallels are you drawing there? Just that it's a group of kids, group of kids set on a mission. Excellent movie. Sure. I mean, who's who's going to freaking what argue do you say with the Sandlot? The, no one. Well, I'm just saying. What do you say to the people that mainly liked this because it was just raunchy? Then you like super bad. That's why I gave you two. Oh, okay. So if you're if you're into the raunchiness, go super bad. If you're into the wholesomeness angles of this that you gleaned out of this somehow, <laughs> the the little nuggets of wholesomeness in yeah. this, uh, then go Sandlot. I mean, Sandlot has some some adult themes uh, of kids not understanding what's going on. Um, I mean, it's not near at this level, but I think right. everybody would enjoy the Sandlot. Just in general. Well, yes, I think everybody should, but I, I think if you're giving recommendations, I think you, I think you'd be better off. I think this parallels very well to the same lot. <laughs> I can't wait for some parents to watch this and be like, "Oh, I'm never letting my kid watch Sandlot now." Oh, well, I'd like to think those parents have already seen the Sandlot. Well, you'd like to think, but you know, yeah. not everybody watches movies at the clip we do. That's true, but it's the Sandlot. There's some movies that people just need to have under their belt, and that's one of them. <laughs> I I agree. I just the connecting the dots is interesting there, but we'll see when when somebody comes to you and says they're never letting their kid watch Sandlot because they watched Good Boys, and you told them that uh, Sandlot would be a good if you like this, then uh, some if poor you liked it, then you'd like this. It fits the question. <laughs> yeah, but if you like this, and if you're trying to get your kid to watch it, I guess that's a little bit of a different question. <laughs> well, don't let your kid watch Good Boys. That's my stance. <laughs> that's on you unless they're unless they're 14 because then that's gonna happen because that's we're gonna have social experiment so parents all right to at garrett right 
<laughs> I will report back at the end of the year on whether I let my kid watch this and, and what came of that. <laughs> what is your Twitter handle while we're here? <laughs> it is uh, at Two Views Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. I'm at Carson Graff. G-R-A-F-F. And you can find the show as usual on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at at Two Views Movies. And feel free to email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen. Pretty much wherever you can find podcasts, that's where we're at. Uh, we mentioned this last time, but we are up for the best local podcast through the pitch. So in our show notes, you can find a link to go and uh, vote for us for best local podcast. If you don't have the show notes, then you can go to the pitchkc.com slash best of KC 19. We are under, was it arts? arts and entertainment and then best local podcast. Absolutely. Yep. And then uh, just click our name and you'll vote for us. And hopefully at the end of August, we will emerge victorious as the best local podcast uh last little bit of news two views is going on vacation we are headed to vegas for the week we'll be recording live from vegas (laughs) oh god no no we won't (laughs) No, no we won't uh but we will be back the following week with angel has fallen and then we'll be back on schedule with weekly episodes through the next time we take vacation, which would probably be, what, this time next year. So this seems to be our our normal week off, August, Vegas, and we don't do an episode. All right, that's it. We will catch everybody in two weeks. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both.